0: Will you please welcome our guest moderator, news editor of Empire magazine, and part of the presenting team on BBC's Film 2012, Chris Hewitt. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming. Uh, In 1984, when he was just a lowly animator at Disney, Tim Burton made a live-action short called Frankie Weenie. It was creepy, kooky, spooky, and ooky. And it was about a young boy who brought his dead dog back to life. Gives you an idea how creepy, kooky, spooky, ooky it was. Now, almost 30 years later, Tim Burton's come back to Disney to make the creepier, kookier, spookier, and ookier full-length animated feature version of Frankie Weenie. Now, before we meet one of its stars and the executive producer, let's take a look at the trailer.
1: Sparky is a great dog. A great friend. The best dog a kid could have. When you lose someone you love, they never really leave you. He'll always be in your heart. I don't want him in my heart. I want him here with me. The nervous system is just wires and cables. Even after death, the muscles respond to electricity. (laughs) I can fix that.
0: I know.
1: Know what? Your dog is alive. You can't tell anyone. Promise. Promise. Victor brought an animal back to life with lightning and boom and mm. something big is gonna happen. Who's responsible for this? I just wanted my dog back. <laughs> We can do better. Bigger.
2: Rise,
1: Colossus. From your tomb. Cool. Victor! Let's go! Hang on! Mr. Whiskers is trying to tell us something. Did you get that out of the litter box? Oh my. I need your help. I asked him first. My problem bigger. (laughs) Yeah, he's right.
0: Fantastic stuff. Please welcome one of the stars of Frankie Winnie, Mr. Martin Short. (laughs) And the executive producer, Mr. Don Han. How are you? Okay, good, good, good. Yourself? Thank
2: How's you. It? A a pleasure. See you. <coughs> Hello. Thanks for coming. Hello! How's Thank your you. London
0: adventure been so far? Have you been out to see the sights? Unbelievable. Yeah. I went to Covet Gardens for dinner last night. Really? Mm-hmm. Anywhere nice? Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Glad you're settling in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've seen the trailer, but can you set up Frank and Winnie for everybody here? Just exactly what is Frank and Winnie?
2: Wow. Uh, started as a short film that Tim Burton made when he was at Disney back in the early 80s. So many of you are familiar with. You've seen it. And then uh, about five years ago here in London, I went and visited Tim and said, you have this great piece. Why don't we expand it? Why don't we, it's Frankenstein mythology. Why don't we stretch it and pull it and add more monsters? And, and he uh, jumped in. And we brought in John August, who's a great writer. He's collaborated with on Big Fish and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and kind of expanded it out and uh, turned it into probably the film he always wanted to make, except when he was a 25-year-old kid at Disney that Disney wouldn't give him the money to. So yes. <laughs> it's an uh, interesting full circle that he's come.
0: <laughs> it certainly is. And you worked with Tim. I did. I did. Yes,
2: I did, back on Fox and the Hound, where yeah. Tim was woefully miscast. <laughs> <laughs> How was that experience, briefly? Well, great. I mean, he's a really, he, oddly, he, I don't think he's changed all that much to me. He's a really introverted guy. Uh, we all knew he was kind of different from the rest of us. Um, but he's remarkably big-hearted mm-hmm. and, and has this, you know, this is a boy and his dog kind of love story, for lack of a better word. Even though he has this kind of quirky side to him, he has this big heart. And I think that always is in his in his best movies, where you see these mm-hmm. kind of outcast c- characters trapped in a misshapen body, and they, you know, redeem themselves, or they are the heroes of their own story. And I think that's what makes Tim really special. Awesome.
0: And, uh, and Martin, you've worked with Tim before as well on, on Mars, Mars Attacks. attacks yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's been a while since then. Were you? Did you? When, when did you come back into his uh, his orbit, so to speak? Do you know, I, 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 you know, I'd seen Tim. You know, we run into each
1: other, yeah. and uh, I've done shows, and he comes to them, but uh, in New York. But uh, I, you know, I, I, remember when I first met him for Mars Attacks. I was surprised because I was expecting more of the dark genius. In fact, I'd sat, <laughs> a, I played Tim on a special I'd done. Oh, yeah, well, I'm gonna show you this. It's the premise was he was um, doing a remake of, of Love Affair, mm-hmm. He's directing um, <laughs> Lyle Lovett, Joe Flaherty, and mm-hmm. Brett Butler. Of course, uh, Anyway, yeah. uh, But when I met him, I found him to be um, focused, funny, very funny, and loved to laugh. Mm. When I worked with him in Mars Attacks, I was expecting, you know, there was Jack Nicholson and Rod Steiger and all these people, and I was expecting him to be very, now, this is what we must do. And he was very loose, he's very creative. And it dawned on me that he hires the people he wants, and then now he's done the first big chapter of his job, and now he wants to hear from them. And then you end up doing exactly what he wanted. <laughs> True. That's
0: manipulation. That's what directors yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had, he, had he changed Children's. at all in the, uh, what, the 15 I, years? I didn't so? find
1: him any different, yeah. to be quite honest, in, in the 15 year uh, span. I found him to be the same kind of. Um, you know, uh, th- I play three characters in this. The, 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 the parents, um, uh, Catherine and O'Hara, and I did it together, yeah. which is atypical that we would record mm. together. Um, and that, he had very specific ideas. He really wanted it very, very, very from the heart, very calm, the way people can be. They talk like this, actually. They don't talk like that, you know, <laughs> even though you think you're being normal. The other characters uh, that I play, he now wanted to play with them and experiment. And, you know, tape is cheap, so you just you try a million different <laughs> angles. You you can be British, you can be low, you can be high, you can be <laughs> all the different voices. I remember at one point on the second session I came in and I had this idea that Mr. Burgermeister might be someone who had had a four-pack a day cigarette habit. But I quit <laughs> about two months. <laughs> There's a little emphysema there. Go.
0: <sighs> well, Tim,
1: oh yeah, that's the. <laughs> and that's what he loves. Yeah, that's that,
0: that that fuels him. So we're we're going to meet Mr. Bergermeister in a in a second in a clip. But can you take us through the other characters you play? Uh, I play M- Mr. Burgermeister, the f- um, uh,
1: the f- the dad, and yep. uh, Nas- Nasser, who is uh, one of the students, uh, kind of. Um, a Boris Karloff character. More <laughs> of a lift, though. In fact, before every take, I would... Um, there was a TV series that Boris Karloff did in, in the States called Thriller. <laughs> and it would, uh, it would always open. Remember Thriller? Mm-hmm. And now this will be a thriller. <laughs> and so, before each take, I would YouTube Boris Karloff and listen to it and go, hey, Okay, let's go. And until you kind of... But he became more of a speech impediment. Well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you play uh, one of the nicest Frankensteins ever committed to film. Yeah, that's a sweet father. He's a sweet dad as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're about to meet Mr. Burgermeister in a clip. Uh, we're basically, it's our introduction to him and his, uh, his niece, Elsa. Don't Don, if you want to talk about...
2: Yeah, Elsa, um, played by the lovely Winona Ryder. And, uh, again, Tim has this kind of... Um, th- the, the Burton players that he goes back to again and again. <laughs> It's so cute. Um, <laughs> that he goes back to it again and again, and, and Winona was an old friend and was able to come into this show and, and play this role for her. So, next door neighbor, Mr. Burgermeister, the mayor of New Holland, yeah. and, and his niece.
0: Awesome, uh, take a look at the clip. Thank you. <laughs> Where do you think you're going? School. What
1: about that dog of yours?
2: She's not in the house, and she's away from your tulips.
1: I want you to remember something while your parents are away I am in charge here yes Uncle Bob Dutch day is coming up, and I don't need any trouble how's your son coming okay keep at it Dutch day is a big day for me yes sir
0: can sense of the voice Dutch day
2: it's Dutch day <laughs> it was really difficult explaining to um our, our British crew, who are terrific, we made the film here in London, yeah. what Dutch Day was but through the eyes of Southern California post-war kids. <laughs> so, and, we, and we had to go around Burbank and Southern California taking pictures of ranch houses and things just to explain the kind of stucco and so we could build New Holland to look that way. Because it's, it's Tim's story, and so yeah. we had to build his neighborhood.
0: Because um, obviously the, the short was live live action back in the back in the 80s. Right. This clearly is not live action. Uh, can you talk about Tim's decision to do that? Or did, did that come from you? Did that come from Disney? Or?
2: Well, it, it didn't come from me. I think if I did anything, I just held up a mirror and said, you know, look, this is really a great story that you should revisit. Yeah. And... Uh, and Disney was always on board. You know, I think it's it's interesting. There's a lot of uh, creative risk in pretty much any movie you make. But in this one, it's in black and white. It's in 3D. Yeah. It's a monster movie. But I think what everybody responded to is how personal it was to Tim. Yeah. That it was really his story. And this this introverted kid up in the attic making films and all that stuff was kind of about him. So uh, he's, he was very true to the original movie and yet not afraid to expand it and grow it. And, and, uh, and really wanted to be an homage to the monster movies of the... 50s and 60s. That's mm. part of the reason that black and white works because it's almost a character in the film, and, uh, and and then to bring in the references to Frankenstein and the Mummy and Creature from the Black Lagoon and all those things, mm. so that one segment of the audience is going to know that and love that and enjoy it on that level. And then if you're a kid and don't know who uh, you know Lon Chaney is, that's okay. You'll just you know you'll get it on that level. Okay.
0: And uh, it's also a film that, as you say, it's a 3D. Mm-hmm. It's a monster movie. It tackles the concept of death head mm-hmm. on which for a, a quote-unquote kids film is very unusual. Um, was it difficult at all to push this through to get this th- this thing
2: made? I, yeah, I think there were a, l- a lot of raised eyebrows at times and occasional sucking of lips. But I think uh, I- in the end... Sucking
1: of lips? <laughs> what exactly
2: is that? Yeah, we'll talk later. Yeah. Um, th- <laughs> essentially, <laughs> essentially, you're trusting uh, the movie to Tim Burton. So in lesser hands, I think it may have been more of an issue. But I think yeah you know, Tim and Disney have had a long relation together tim's first uh, you know gig was as an animator at disney and so it, it it wasn't a huge stretch to say, yeah, we can trust one of our most iconic directors <laughs> artists storytellers of our time with this yeah. story because he's pretty capable
0: uh, martin apart from the the draw of Tim Burton, what else drew you to this project was it the fact that it, it's it's atypical it's not like a, a normal animated film it does tackle death head on it is quite creepy well i, I my honest answer yeah. is Tim Burton,
1: Yeah. Uh, in the sense that um, w- when, you know, you get a, a phone call from Tim to be in a movie, you don't kind of say, is there craft service? Who's catering? You know, you kind of <laughs> have an instinct to say, uh, uh, yes, in fact, Tim had said, I want you to play three characters. Yeah. Both Catherine and I would say, What sense does that make that we're playing three characters? But she said, We didn't want to, neither one of us wanted to raise <laughs> it to Tim so that he wouldn't say, Yeah, no, you're right. You should only play one. <laughs> right, right, right. But, um, but what I do love about this is what's interesting about when we talk about death and loss, yeah. particularly for a child, hopefully it's not a parent or, or, or a grandparent. What it mostly is, is a pet. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for, for that reason, and also the idea that death is, is w- people are so afraid to even bring up the subject to a child as if it would be just, it would decimate them. Mm-hmm. And, and yet they do experience with a pet. So I think that just on that level, the story is very, so original and ultimately important. And then you bring in the idea of science versus... Versus creationism, and, and yeah. uh, that Martin Landau's uh, character uh, brings up. And uh, although I told the press today that I had done that too. <laughs> oh really? Well, I just felt I wanted to play four characters. And yeah, they no said, Why is Martin Landau here? And everyone said no one knows. You we, know. we just keep showing up. You're just yeah. showing up, and no one has <laughs> yeah. the heart to say, you know. No, that's actually true. Yeah. Um, but but I think that that it becomes. Uh, it's, it's, it's So it has a great deal of heart, the film, but it's also yeah. about
0: something very important. And uh, it's a very funny film as well, despite the subject matter. And, and how much room for improvisation do you have with a script by John August, with a director like Tim, who has a very singular vision? You know, I, 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 I can't honestly... Remember, I know that the script was very,
1: very strong. Mm. So there's not this sense of, ooh, i got to fix this, you know. (laughs) However, you're there, and as I said earlier, tape is cheap. yeah. And so there's this tendency to, now that you're getting in the character, you just, especially if you tend to improvise, you you come up with lines. What was used and what wasn't used, probably Tim would know much better than I. Mm -hmm. I, I. I can't remember. I'm sure it's just all
0: the script. Okay. And uh, we've got another clip coming up now, which is where we meet Sparky, but uh, a special adapted Sparky, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, Don, this is a scene in the, uh, in the attic with Mrs. Frankenstein. Don, if you want to set it up?
2: Yeah, well, we uh, we wanted to set Sparky up. Tim wanted him to be a real dog. So yeah. we brought real dogs into the studio. We studied them. We wanted to get the behaviors down just right. And even after he's brought back in kind of his Frankenstein form, we had to feel like this was a real so having a, a leading character in a movie that doesn't speak, I mean, that's really maybe on Dumbo we did it years ago, but that's really unusual. Yeah. So in, in this particular scene, it's the first time anybody other than Victor uh, has seen the dog in any state at all. And his mom uh, comes up the stairs and discovers this new friend they have in their attic. Indeed. Let's take a look at the clip. Thank you. I would say. Um,
0: It's a a fine line to tread. You have a a dog, a zombie dog, essentially. Mm -hmm. How do you make it cute without making it scary or off-putting?
2: You know, yeah, and it's remarkable because the puppets we made this with, it's all done in stop motion like Nightmare Before Christmas. uh, And Sparky's puppet's about the size of your fist. So you're trying to create not (laughs) just movement, but these performances, really, out of these small puppets, the the, uh, adult characters are about this high. And uh, it's really the art of the animator that brings them to life. And and uh, more than just moving them, you're really trying to create those convincing moments between the characters that you can believe that they're actually flesh and blood. It's one of the reasons Tim wanted to pick stop motion as the technique for this because it's it's bringing inanimate things to life. It's the Frankenstein yeah. story <laughs> technique. Right. So it was the perfect <laughs> technique to use for this. And, uh, and I think there's great appeal in it. There's an appeal to something hand done, just like a handwritten letter you might get, or a thank you note. Right. It means something. And, and as much as I love computer graphics and, and the amazing movies we see from Pixar or DreamWorks, there's something wonderful about that hand-done craft of stop-motion animation and being able to see that it's a handmade movie. Oh yeah. We and can what see what the I, I
1: just say, what I loved about that scene I just saw was the innocence of Sparky. Because yeah. he's just like a yeah, dog yeah. that that's how you greet, um, you know, if you've been away for a week and you come home and your dog sees you. He's all excited. Yeah. He doesn't know he's a zombie.
0: Yeah, he doesn't know he's been killed no? mm-hmm. at any point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you have anything to, to play with on a tactile level when you were recording your voice? Because Mr. Frankenstein looks a lot like her. you. Yeah, just Catherine. But yeah. he looks a lot like you. So did you have yeah. examples of the characters you might be playing to, to look at, to draw
1: inspiration for? Uh, yeah, when, when you when you uh, first show up, there is a, there are uh, uh, drawings of, uh, of the character you're going to do. And... Um, and then they film you, mm-hmm. and and because you never know, you might say a line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might make a, a hand gesture that the animator will say, "Gee, that? I guess that's." Mm-hmm. When you go no or something, they might say, "Oh, that's an interesting." So so somehow that sneaks in too. Uh, but no, when you start with a voice, you just um, when you look at Mr. Bürgermeister, you kind of say, "Now, what's what's that voice?" And yeah. and it, and it's a broad field, and it's just like anything, you start to whittle it down. Mm. You try everything. and Usually the first session is the experimental session, and that's really <laughs> when it's most fun. <laughs> I mean, he could sound like that, couldn't he? <laughs> he could sound in a million different voices, and then everyone kind of sleeps on it. Mm-hmm. And then they come back and say, you know what uh, Tim will say? I, I like when you were doing Because I started off with Bergmeister kind of like Lionel Barrymore <laughs> then with President Reagan, which is a logical <laughs> mashup, yeah, everyone would who say doesn't, it, yeah. who doesn't. I mean, that's so far, so, you know, yeah, yeah. so typical. And then you add,
0: you know, the chain smoker. <laughs> Are those uh, first session outtakes available on DVD? Will we ever hear those? or they, yeah, I want yeah. to No, hear but them? they're fantastic, actually. <laughs> yeah. it, it's sure. one of the
2: treats. And we do videotape the actors because we get a lot out of them. You know, the animators study them and try to find those little blinks and mannerisms, and they're really big inspiration for these characters.
0: Fantastic. Uh, we've got a few minutes for questions for Don and Martin. So if you want to ask a question, put your hand up. Don't be shy, or there'll be roving microphones coming around. There's a gentleman here in the front row.
2: Uh, my question for Martin is you're one of the few... Actors to have been directed by the three great um, action, comedy, fantasy directors of the 80s, 90s Tim Burton, Joe Dante, and John Landis. I wonder if you could just compare and contrast their styles and, you know, as an improv comedian,
0: how much they let you.
1: Well, um, there certainly are three great action directors. Um, Each one's different. John is. uh, very, you know, big personality. Hello, how are you? Sit down. I want to tell you about Chaplin. You know? <laughs> and and he's, he's very funny, John, and filled with life and stories. And and Joe is, Dante is kind of more of a, an animation. Uh, he's just, uh, not animated, but he's like, I don't know, what do you think would be funny? I don't know. He's kind of like, and Tim is more, why am I impersonating all these directors? Right because it's, it's
2: really good and we're all really enjoying it. That's oh, what okay. you're getting, yeah? Huh?
1: And Tim is, you know, I don't know, just trying to like, it's, it's kind of <laughs> like this weird you know, thing. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> does that answer your question in any way? <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Well, there are, there are three great directors and I, th- I think uh, I, those are three great films that I made with them. four actually, including two with Tim. And I think that um, all very respectful to actors. You know, that's a huge part of it. You know, you can, I- when you're in improviser, I always think that the actor's job is to provide paint, a lot of colors of paint, so that when the director and editor makes their movie, you're long gone. And they can say, oh, if we only had that take faster. Oh, we do have that take faster. (laughs) Gee, if we had it now that I see it, I wish it had been bigger. No, remember he weaseled that last take and he said he wanted to do it bigger? He called it the freedom take. I think that's (laughs) what the actor's job should be. Uh, because he, you don't have, you know, you could do the greatest take that you feel is the greatest take of your career, cut to the scenes not in, and they don't even cut to you during that moment. So what you as the actor can walk away and say, I gave the director and editor every choice they could have, even choices that they didn't claim they wanted in the moment. But I gave them those choices. I'm going to have a glass of champagne and celebrate myself. I <laughs> did my job. And that's you know kind of what they do. And all those directors, though, were very, uh, with me, very kind of, any o- other ideas? What else do you want to do? Do you want to try something else? Um, because I'm, I, I do 100 takes. I always think it's luck if you get it. So um, they finally said, okay, enough. But uh, r- r- very respectful to, to actors and the process because they've, as I said earlier, they've hired them. So um, they're, in a way, respecting their own instincts when they respect
0: the actor. Some actors only want to do one take and that's it. And then they yes stop. Yes, Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving <laughs> one take and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to a b- saloon. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever good. worked with people like that? And is, does that frustrate you then when you're, you've got 99 more in, in you? And you I, 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 w- I would find that um,
1: t- tiresome. I, 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 you know, I, I mean... I love Frank Sinatra. Hey, (laughs) and I liked his dad. Yeah. But um, I would say the idea of all this time has been spent, sets and scripts, Mm. and now you're there. Um, This is not the time to (laughs) say I
0: I got an early lunch. Fair enough. Um, Okay, any more questions for Marty? Yes, please. Martin, you've also done a voice in the new Madagascar Three film. How did that compare to doing Frank and Because obviously, two different types of movie.
1: Well, it's two different. Um, I, I, you know, two different characters. One's a sea lion who, from Italy, and uh, mm. similar to the Mr. Frankenstein, but mm-hmm. but different. <laughs> yeah. um, but but again. Um, Another great company and, an, an, a, and a truly great executive, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, so, again, you're working wi- when you are working with um, uh, a company or a director or a producers whose intention is to do uh, create art. You're in very good hands.
0: Lucky hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's for uh, sure. Any more questions for Martin or Don? Yeah, let's send the. Uh Front row again. Thanks.
1: Um, this question for Don. Which is your favourite animated film you've worked on? And you should say The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the Lion King. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. They're they're all children. You love them all. They're all very different experiences. This one is uh, obviously dear to my heart because it's such a uh, you know a different kind of creative thing. And working with Tim has been terrific. Uh, I have a soft spot in, in my heart for Beauty and the Beast just because it was. Um, a special time when I don't think people really, uh, you know, came to animation in the way they do now. Animation is a huge boom business now, and and then it was uh, kind of finding its sea legs again, and um, so I, those early films have a, have a, actually, Roger Rabbit has a great place in my heart, too, for that same reason, because nobody was going to see animated films. Disney was making a film every four years. There was no competition, and I think, it brought back our love of those animated characters, and it reminded the audience how much we love animation. So those early movies, I think I was uh, lucky to be there.
0: Is this a golden age at the moment for animation? we got stop motion, CG, single-cell you know, animation.
2: It is. There's there's a category at the Academy for it. There's, there's 15 to 20 animated films a year. Live-action films are becoming more animated. The lines between animation and live-action are blurring. And there are some great studios out there like Blue Sky and DreamWorks and Pixar and Disney that are making uh, really interesting films. And so, yeah, it's a good time.
0: OK, I think we've got time for maybe one last question. If you uh, have anything. Yes. i let's stick in this row. Let's see. It. Why not? Indeed. sir. Uh, this
2: one's for Don. Uh, where do you see animation in the next 10 years and the growth of it? Animation Ooh, in the next 10 years. Uh Exciting time! Uh, art schools are pumping out more interesting artists than ever, and the access that we have to tools uh, is spectacular. The, uh, you know, our movie was made on Canon 5D cameras and and Apple laptops, so. You can go out in the store and buy everything we had on need to make the movie, and that's fantastic. I think filmmakers have a real leg up uh, being able to access those tools. So I'd like to see more independent animated films so that you don't need $200 million to make a film. <laughs> I think we'll always have those, and I always want to see those. I think the audience will always enjoy that. but. Wouldn't it be great to see more uh, like this film? It's a very personal, independent kind of approach to animation, and uh, I think we'll see a lot more of that. I think we'll see a lot more live action directors kind of migrating into animation, uh, as you saw with maybe Peter Jackson and Tintin and Spielberg last year or whatever. So uh, it's an exciting time. certainly technology and and, uh, and the, the uh, you know, the technology that artists have to bear on the art form is, fantastic but it all goes back to story you know nobody buys a ticket to go see a technique we all go to buy a ticket to go be moved and and have an experience in the theater and um, so if animation is going to be successful I think that's where it's going to have to go in the next 10 years. I have a question. Yes young man in the front. Uh, For Don. Yes. Um,
1: 3D Mm -hmm. because it actually is a great question but where will we
2: be in 10 years in 10 years from now will every animated film be 3D? Uh, it almost is that way now Uh, here here's my honest answer 3d came along as a way to try to get people into the theater uh just recently and it's not for every movie a lot of filmmakers don't want to make their films in 3d or care about it but uh i do believe more and more every movie will be in 3d it pretty much is now every animated movie is available in 3d more so than any other medium Mm, you see you know you see uh live action movies drop off the 3d charts all the time but animation it's there it's in the medium you have the data to create it and it just gives the audience that extra immersive uh, experience and for Tim on this movie it was like the the sets are so interesting and the idea of being on the set of a stop-motion movie is so exciting he wanted to use 3d to be there so you felt like you were actually there so yeah you'll see a lot of 3d and the great Gatsby is 3d isn't it huh? I don't know. <laughs> the new Great Gatsby? No, no I I think think it, is. it is. There is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, there's a new Great Gatsby coming out from Long bed. Day's
1: Journey into
0: Night, that would be good three D. It'd be <laughs> good.
1: Wide Day's Journey into
0: Night. You a fan of three D?
1: I do like 3 di D. I I I'm I'm fascinated by Gatsby actually mm. because I I don't know um what that's going I mean, I get Titanic 3D. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um but um night Mother three D, I don't know if it's if it's if it's poor yeah. drama, but in the same respect Someone was saying, you know, in 1932, uh, I don't know why every film has to have sound. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you know, it spoils the effect. Uh, if you can just watch it, I can have
0: create my own voices. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, It's a brave new world out there. It yeah, is a brave new world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks very much for, for coming, and, and thanks very much to you guys for coming. Frank Mead out on the 17th. <laughs> Thank you. Martin Short, Don Hand. Thank you. Thank you.